Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Cy Brown, broadcasting live from vacation. I am hanging out with my family, hanging out with friends, hanging out with everybody uh, down in New Orleans, just having a good time. You know what's so funny is I said to, um, we're actually outside of New Orleans, and someone said to me, oh, you went to the French Quarter? I said, well, yeah, you know, we're going to go. And they were like, just make sure you're out before dark. I'm thinking, whoa, that's kind of, you know, like, whoa. But, and, you know, just don't go with your out-of-state license plates. And I'm thinking to myself, are you serious? Like, the stuff that we see, uh, you know, the tourists, the Mardi Gras beads and all this, but that, that I, I, I'm here to tell you it's not really what um, what we think it is. People are still struggling. People are still hungry. People are still without. People still don't have. You know, a dear friend of mine, Carla Nix, who was in the Lower Ninth Ward, relocated to Mississippi, and she has not come back. And for it's for whatever reason, uh, she just has not. I, I, we, we just all have to be mindful and a little bit careful on how we snap judgments or make broad brush assessment of the situation because the reality is a lot of these people's lives have not returned to normal. A lot of these people have not returned to the place that they have called home for so many years. I remember watching Spike Lee's um, movie documentary when the levees broke and and he interviewed Wendell Pierce, the guy who played Bunk on, um, on The Wire, and he also played the record label producer or the record label executive in the movie Brown Sugar, and he was saying he didn't even have the heart to tell his parents that their house was no more. You know, he actually walked us into his house, his parents' house, uh, walked his mom into the house after the the floodwaters had begun to recede, and they couldn't even, they didn't even have the, the heart to tell their father what had happened. And he said his father served in wars and, 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 and seen firsthand massive destruction, uh, but didn't have the heart to tell him that the insurance adjuster was, was reluctant or not as willing to pay the claim on their property, even though they had been paying their premiums. So a lot of people felt like they had, there, there was an injustice against them. A lot of people literally got screwed. And I'll share this from just coming down into this area um, on an annual basis that there's a house selling now for $200,000, you know, an hour away from New Orleans. Those housing prices would have never been heard of a couple years ago. When we started coming down here years ago, you could buy a decent house for $60,000. Now, for those of you who are in my neck of the woods in New York City, that's like unheard of, but it's really the real deal, you know. If you spent 125, 100, you were you were you were living in high cotton, and now people are moving further and further away from the city part. People have uh, spread out, just like uh, you know, in New York City. New York City to buy a condo or buy your apartment, it's you know close to a million for a one bedroom. But you know what? You come to Jersey, you may spend just under a million and get more. You move to Central Jersey, you'll and, you know, more under $1 million and, 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 and get a little bit more, you move further south, closer to the Philly market, you spend, you know, 250000 a quarter of a million, close to half a million, and you're getting, getting your money's worth. And that's what's happening down here as well. So, 
it's just a little uh, heartbreaking to see how poor people have been so disenfranchised, how they don't really have a voice. It seems like they have a voice, but they really don't have a voice. Um, I don't know what I personally do about it, if anything, except spread the word just to let people know that the residents, the black residents, the poor residents of, of the Lower Ninth Ward and of New Orleans are hurting right now. They're, they're, they're struggling. They're suffering. Um, I actually took a picture yesterday of a little boy just walking in the grocery store and he had on no shoes. Like, it's 100 degrees. The ground is hot. Like, can you just imagine just having one of your kids walk around literally with no shoes? I would like to think that he just didn't want to wear shoes and he had an accommodating mom, but to literally be walking around the grocery store just with no shoes, like it was, and his feet were filthy. And so it's, it's just, uh, it, and he was white, actually. It just speaks to the level of poverty in certain pockets of this country that, that should not be accepted. I, I, I drive around through some of the areas and some of the neighborhoods, and it's really, really sad. You know, a lot of people in the Northeast are considered elitist. You know, they're too educated. They're too good for, you know, too snobby for their own good. They drink Starbucks. We drink whatever, you know, whatever the assumptions are. But you know what? You, you, you have to get to a point where you're just dealing with humanity and, and, and issues of the heart and issues that really touch the lives of others. You know, I've shared with you many, many times my my prayer when I go is that when, when, when God meets me, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it's truly my desire to make a profound and lasting change in the lives of others, albeit a bit disconnected sometimes. That's really what, that, that's really what I wake up to do every single day, you know, to talk to someone, to share a kind word, to help someone out, and really make a change in the life of another person. So if I can use my voice, if I can use the airwaves, if I can use whatever I have at my disposal, just let us not forget uh, the people in New Orleans. Let us not forget those that don't have what we have. Uh, let us not forget the forgotten. Let us not forget the poor. Let us not forget those that just don't have. And, and if you can, you know, send money to a church that's still in the trenches and on the front line of giving relief to the people in New Orleans because, you know what, I'm, I'm telling you, from my mouth to your ears, they need it. They truly, truly truly, truly need it. So, you know, on that note, uh, that's what it is. I, I, I was watching Michael Jackson's uh, final ceremony or his funeral yesterday, and one thing that I did glean from, from, from watching was that he had such a humanitarian heart. He had such a heart for people. He had, they, they were flashing his words like on this big, I guess a jumbotron or a big screen. And if you really take a look at the words of Michael Jackson, you will see that he was, he truly embodied everything that we're talking about here today, changing the world, helping your fellow human, helping your fellow person. Um, and that's really to be commended. I, I, I'm, I'm, 
saddened for all the people that approved headlines like Wacko Jacko and, you know, Crazy Michael. The classic line was when Al Sharpton spoke to his children and said, ain't ain't was nothing strange about your daddy. (laughs) You know, as they say, uh, bad English but good preaching. Uh, and he and, and Al Sharpton hit it right on the on the head with that one. Courtly Hazlett from MSNBC said there was a resounding applause and roar once he said it because now that we look back on the life and legacy of Michael Jackson, it was nothing strange about Michael Jackson. What was strange is the circumstances that he had to deal with. And I just shared a wonderful conversation with a friend of mine. And, and, and my point, my takeaway from the conversation was when I added, you know, we tried to gauge Michael Jackson according to our level of understanding. But on the real, there was nothing that you, you Michael, you can't compare Michael Jackson to anybody. There is no comparison. So for us to paint this broad brush and, and make the assessment of, you know, he was weird because he did this with his children. Can you imagine living in his world? Can you, like, so totally imagine? Think about it. You want to go to an amusement park and you can't go, so what do you do? You just build one in your backyard. Like, we have no comprehension of that. You know, we think normal is mother, father, sister, brother, dog, fence, and two cars, you know, a nice car and a station wagon. For us and for most people, for most people, um, that's normal. And then you get into blended families and step-parents and half-brothers and sisters. So I guess that would be the second tier of normal. So when you factor Michael Jackson in or his lifestyle, we just can't comprehend. So what we do is dismiss him as, oh, he's crazy or he's wacko. Now, granted, he hung blanket, you know, off of <laughs> a balcony, which is, 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 is a bit strange, but... You know, that was one instance. Look at look at his life. Look at his work. Look at his legacy. So I, I, I think we can take away from that that we have to be careful when we start to call people strange or wacko or not normal or crazy because they're really not. They're living the best way they can given the circumstances. I was watching the life story of Phyllis Hyman, and, and for those of you who may not be familiar with Phyllis Hyman, she's saying the song, uh, you know, I'm not going to get to singing because I've tried to sing on this show before, and it just didn't go very well. Uh, you know how to love me, and do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, <laughs> you guys know I'm silly. But, uh, you know, Phyllis Hyman just had this voice. I didn't know she was almost six feet tall either, uh, but she wore these beautiful hats, almost like how Queen Latifah looked when she first came out, That how Queen Latifah had these hats and the broad shoulder pads. That's classic Phyllis Hyman. But just just watching her life story yesterday on TV One, you know, she suffered with depression. She suffered from drug and alcohol addiction. And you would never think, you're like, yo, you're Phyllis Hyman. You started in, in Duke Ellington's Broadway play. And they had beautiful vignettes provided by Mercedes Ellington, who's another beautiful person in, in, in theater. But when you look at all that, we're gauging Phyllis Hyman by our standards, and sh- and, and and wrongfully so. That's that's not the space that she's in. Um, and what happens is they try to fit into what we consider normal. 
and it really causes uh, mental anguish and mental conflict. And, and I know I've been affected the same exact way. For so many years, I tried to conform to what my grandmother wanted, what my father wanted, what my parents wanted for size, not realizing I'm not meant to fit into that box. And it took a whole lot of years and counseling and therapy for me to finally realize it's okay to be who Sai is. It's absolutely okay to live in my space, and and my friend calls me the purple duck. I'm proud to be the purple duck, but for so many years I thought I wasn't normal. You know, many of you know just as recently as this past December, I was really not in a good place, and I went to seek help, help and to seek counseling, and I remember telling one of the doctors I just want to be normal, and that's when they had me read the book Einstein, and I shared excerpts of that book on YouTube, and I've shared excerpts with that book with, every, with my listening audience, Einstein doubted himself the entire way. Imagine what more he would have blessed us with had he understood he doesn't necessarily have to be normal. So I share that with you in love and in grace and in peace. Um, I'll be with you again tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. And always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you so much for the time that you spend with me every single day at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. It's, it's a blessing to have your listening ear. It's a blessing that you open up your heart and allow me just to peek in and share my thoughts on life and love and relationships and spirituality. Thank you very much. I don't take it lightly. I love you all for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow right here on Life Remixed Radio at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. It's your girl, Cy Brown, and I'll see you soon. Peace.